Today we're talking about, we're continuing in our series, Waiting Tables, and I'll fill you in if you weren't here the last two weeks so you don't miss anything. But I wanted to start off and just ask a specific question that we all can answer in our minds, and that is, have you ever been thrown into a situation that you weren't ready for or you weren't expecting? Maybe it's a small thing that maybe just happened at school or at work where there was a training and you got tossed in with a partner that you weren't expecting that you were going to be with for that project or for that training. Or maybe uh, you ride the commute and you ride the sounder up to Seattle on every day and then you're, the person you were sitting next to you was just not the person you were expecting to be sitting next to you on your 45-minute trip up to Seattle. Whatever it is, we all have these moments in our lives And it might be big. It could be like a job transition where we have to move to a new community or we have to move into a new house or we have to make new friends at our new school that we moved into. Whatever your situation might be, we all have situations where we feel thrown in to a a situation or a circumstance in our lives. And so today, I just want to encourage you, I want to start off and just let you know that God wants to use us where we are to point others to Jesus. And that's our big idea today, is that God wants to use us where we are to point others to Jesus. And so if you haven't been here over the last couple of weeks, I just want to fill you in. In week one, um, we were really, we're kind of diving into the book of Acts. And so we're in this, the chapters of six, seven, and eight for this series. But to get to there, you have to understand the beginning part of Acts. And so what the story of Acts is how the early church rose after the death and resurrection of Jesus, the resurrection, I can't miss that word, resurrection of Jesus uh, from the grave. And so he goes and tells the disciples, he's like, go and wait. You're going to receive power from the Holy Spirit, and then your lives are going to be new and different and learn to live as followers of me, but with this power that you have. And so one of the first issues that you find out, which we talked about in week one of this, is that there were um, Greek-speaking widows who were being neglected, not on purpose, but just as a, the fact of the process that were in place at that time, they were being neglected for getting their food that they needed. And so what happened was the apostles didn't want to neglect teaching the word and organizing the church, but they also obviously didn't want to neglect the widows. And so what they did is they decided to grab seven people who they all agreed upon. And these were people who were known to be full of wisdom and full of the Spirit. And what's really interesting is that we hear the specifics of two of these people's lives. And so the first one is Stephen, which we heard about last week. And then the other is Philip, which we're going to talk about today. And what's, uh, if you're here last week, obviously is kind of a downer Sunday. You know, whenever you have to talk about the first martyr of the church, you're really talking about someone who has died for what they believed in, who was persecuted and like, and so, but you have to hit it because you have to hit on those things. And so what you see from Stephen, he goes from waiting tables to performing miracles. And then he's getting into all these arguments with the teachers and religious leaders of the day. And so they get so mad at him that they arrest him And he gives this epic speech to the point they become so infuriated that they stone him and kill him after that speech. And so I just want to jump in and give you that kind of forethought before we jump into what we're talking about today. And so we ended last week with this sentence in the passage. And it said, all the believers except the apostles were scattered through the regions of Judea and Samaria. And so as we look to the story of Philip today, I want you to think and keep in mind the big idea of today is that God wants to use us where we are 
to point others to Jesus. So keep that thought in your mind as we read through the story of Philip. And so let's do that. In Acts 8, 4 through 12, this is what we're going to jump in today. And so it says this. It continues on from what we read last week. It says, But the believers who were scattered, so their response was that they preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. Philip, for example, went to the city of Samaria and told the people there about the Messiah. Crowds listened intently to Philip because they were eager to hear his message and see the miraculous signs he did. Many evil spirits were cast out, screaming as they left their victims, and many who had been paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in the city. A man named Simon had been a sorcerer there for many years, amazing the people of Samaria and claiming to be someone great. Everyone from the least to the greatest often spoke of him as the great one, the power of God. And so they listened closely to him because for a long time he had astounded, astounded them with his magic. And so listen to this. This is really important. But now the people believed Philip's message of good news concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ. And as a result, many men and women were baptized. And so as we talk about the life of Philip today, last week we talked about Stephen. Today we're going to talk about Philip. We have just some practical thoughts and things that we want to pull out from his life that we can hopefully apply to our lives. And so first thing, thought one, is that Philip was ready. It's a simple thought, but it expresses what Philip was in this situation. He was ready for the moment. And so during a crazy moment in his life, Philip was ready to seize the opportunity that was put before him. And so I have to imagine that this was a a repeat process for Philip in his life. Already we know that uh, he was someone who is known to be full of wisdom and full of the Holy Spirit. And so we see the apostles picked him to wait tables. And so that's not a glamorous job, is to be in charge of the distribution of the food. When you have apostles over here who are preaching every day, they're praying, and they're just bringing more and more people into the church, then you have Philip over here who's waiting tables and making sure people are fed. So it's not glamorous, but Philip says, like, I'm do it. I'm going to be a part of God's mission, and this is my role. So what I love is that nothing is below Philip, but also nothing is too great for Philip. Because then we begin to see the miracles and wonders that Philip begins to perform, just in the similar way that Stephen was last week. He, the church is scattered. He's going into a new area that's different from where he lives. And so he seizes this opportunity to begin telling people about Jesus, beginning to perform miraculous signs and wonders and healing people who are lame and just actually making people be in awe of who God is. And so what we find is a willingness for Philip to be used by God, like in our big idea, wherever he was, to point others to Jesus. And so there are two ways that kind of jump out to me that Philip was ready. And so the first one is that he was ready with a message that pointed to Jesus. He was ready with a message that pointed to Jesus. And the second thing, he was ready for the Holy Spirit to work through him. He was ready for the Holy Spirit to work through him wherever he was. And so what were the results of this? What do we read out of that scripture that were the results? The results were joy in the city belief in the good news by the people, and ultimately people chose to do the public declaration of their faith through baptism. And so you see this awesome moment of Philip just being ready, seizing the opportunity, and a result of people coming to know Jesus as the, the byproduct of that. 
And so if you remember back to our Vision Sunday last month, Thad spoke about some things we're dreaming about for the next 10 years, a huge vision. But one of the things he mentioned was to baptize 552 people. That number represents the capacity of this room that we're in right now. To think that in 10 years, we might possibly be able to bring 552 people to not only be baptized, but people that would say, I choose to follow Jesus. I didn't before, but now I do. So that's a huge vision. And so if you're like me, I'm like, how is this going to happen? You know, how is that going to, how are the numbers going to flush out? And so you begin to get overwhelmed. And so but for, for me, and I think about these times, it's not nothing that I can do that's going to make that happen, but it's God's power working through people, seizing the opportunities for God to use them where they're at to point people to Jesus. And so the questions I'm asking in response to a vision like that are, are, are numerous. And so just think of these with me as I read them out. Is this, what is the message personally that I'm communicating? What am I known for? If people follow me on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, what are the messages that I'm constantly putting out? What am I known for? Am I constantly pointing people to Jesus or am I pointing people to other things? Practical thought that just challenges me. Is my main message, what I'm known for, pointing people to Jesus? You know, everyone has a spotlight. Everyone has a voice. And so what and where are we shining our light on? Who and what are we giving our voice to? And so then the next kind of package of questions is, am I willing to let the Holy Spirit work through my life in any moment? Do I just want to serve my community with practical steps? Or am I willing to pray and actually believe not that I just want to help the hurting, but I want to see them healed by the power of the Holy Spirit? That I would love to see people that are sick and lame to be healed, who are hurting and addicted to all sorts of different things, to actually find supernatural healing. And so it's not that we throw away the practical and just run to the spiritual, but how can we marry those and make them kingdom of God principles that preaches the good news to people that need to hear it? Philip was ready with the message and the willingness to let the Spirit work in power. And so where does that power come from? We read in Acts 1.8, at the beginning of this book in Acts, Jesus's, uh, what his instruction to the disciples is this, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. And if you don't know what a witness is, Jesus explains it right he, here. He says, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The people in this story were first amazed by Simon the sorcerer. And so that's what I love to think about, is that the people in Samaria, they're listening to this sorcerer, this worker of magic, and they're amazed by the things that he's doing through the magic that he knows. But what's important to know is that they see Philip and the things that he's doing, not to, to pr promote himself, but again, to point other people to Jesus. And so what do they do? They now believed Philip's message. Philip turned the people from a lesser power that Simon was preaching to a greater power pointing people to Jesus. And so I don't think people in our culture necessarily think about magic that they want to follow because I think in our culture, especially in the United States, because we're so 
wealthy and blessed, we don't need magic because we have magic really on our phones. If you grew up without one of these, these are magic to people that didn't have one. Like, just ask my dad. He's like, oh, you can do that with this? And he's like shocked and amazed every time I show him something new. To him, it's like magic. But we have our phones, we have our gadgets, we have our pursuit of money. We don't need magic because we think we can create it ourselves. We have social media, we have people addicted to drugs. Any other quick fix that we have that just fills our lives becomes like magic, something that's great that we want and pursue and try and fill with our lives. But what I love about Philip is he shows them a greater power, something that's beyond that, that blows a cell phone away, that blows the magic that they knew at their time away. And people chose to follow him. And so God wants to use us where you're at to do what God wants to do to the best of his ability that you are going to choose to work with him. And so this is because God wants to use you where you're at because, thought to you, we have been scattered. So there's this interesting word when you read through the scripture. We read it once last week. It says that the, the believers were scattered after Saul, who later becomes Paul, which I talked about last week. But as he begins to pursue all the believers, he's knocking on doors, going into houses and home churches and taking them and putting them in prison. And so the church begins to scatter. And so if you think about me, I'm like, oh, they're just hiding. They're like, or scattering thing seems unorganized. It seems like, you know, you talk about a scattered brain. That sounds like you just can't focus. And so what I love about this is that we also read it uh, once today, and then you also read it in Acts 11, 19 through 21, where it says this. The believers who had been scattered during the same persecution after Stephen's death traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch of Syria. They preached the word of God, but only to Jews. However, some of the believers who went to Antioch from Cyprus and Cyrene began preaching to the Gentiles about the Lord, Je- about the Lord Jesus. The power of the Lord was with them, and a large number of these Gentiles believed and turned to the Lord. And so this word for scattered is actually, it's a Greek word, it's called diaspero. And so it's used three times that now we've all heard in the last two weeks. And so the root of this word, though, is the word sparrow. And so not like a bird, but it's a a Greek word that means to sow. And so it's like a, a farmer who sows seed, scatters the seed so that it can grow. And so this is what's really cool and encouraging and interesting, that in a moment when the believers would be scattered and probably fearful from Saul and fearful from persecution, God's working to scatter them to sow the seed of the good news around Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the rest of the world. And so what is awesome is that that passage we read in Acts 1-8 is actually being fulfilled by an evil plan by someone who's trying to end the church, but the church grows out of it because people were willing to be used in the moment that they were in to point other people to Jesus. And so they did this out of the power of the Holy Spirit. Again, Jesus told the disciples that they would receive power, and then he fulfilled it when he sent them out into Jerusalem and Judea and all the surrounding areas, and even to the ends of the earth. And so God used the scattering to begin to fulfill just the promise that he told the disciples. And Peter even mentions this in, after the 
first the Pentecost, the Holy Spirit falls on the disciples, and uh, the people are like just kind of like wondering what the heck is going on. And Peter has to tell them and explain everything. And so he says this in Acts 2, 38 through 39. As a response to what they've seen, he says, Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise to you, this promise is to you, to your children, and then this is important, to those far away all who have been called by the Lord our God. And so wherever you find yourself today, I want you to be encouraged that although God might not have put you into a moment of suffering, I still think God wants to use you in that moment of suffering to be used to point other people to Jesus. That God, no matter what you are, if you're in a high moment in your life or you're in a low moment or you're like at a so-so moment or you're in a circumstance where you're just like, I can't find the joy right now, God still wants to use you to point other people to Jesus no matter where you're at. You have been scattered, sown intentionally for the purpose of bringing others to Jesus. Those who are far away, just as that passage says. And so where have you been scattered in your workplaces, in your classrooms, in your homes and neighborhoods, in your social media feeds, wherever you've been scattered and planted, God wants to use you to point others to Jesus. But as you read on to the, in this story, you also get this cautionary tale um, in this story of Acts 8 and the story of Philip. And so we're going to read on um, past uh, verse 12 in chapter 8 to verse 13. And so this is kind of, I'll be honest, it's a right turn. And so we'll just read through it and I'll just explain some things and then we'll be finished. But it says this in Acts 13 through 24. It says, Then Simon, the same Simon, the, the one who practices magic, he himself believed and was baptized. He began following Philip wherever he went, and he was amazed by the signs and the great miracles Philip performed. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that the people of Samaria had accepted God's message, they sent Peter and John there. As soon as they arrived, they prayed for these new believers to receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them, for they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John laid their hands upon these believers, and they received the Holy Spirit. When Simon saw that the Spirit was given when the apostles laid their hands on people, he offered them money to buy this power. Let me have this power too, he exclaimed, so that when I lay my hands on people, they will receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter replied, may your money be destroyed with you for thinking God's gift can be bought. And so that's a nice way of putting it. If you read in other translations or read commentaries, it's actually much more harsh. It's like basically go to hell and take your money with you. And so that's strong, harsh language, but it shows you the gravity of what Peter is trying to say here. He said, you can have no part in this for your heart is not right with God. Repent of your wickedness and pray to the Lord. Perhaps he will forgive your evil thoughts for I can see that you are full of bitter jealousy and are held captive by sin. Pray to the Lord for me, Simon exclaimed, that these terrible things you've said won't happen to me. After testifying and preaching the word of the Lord in Samaria, Peter and John returned to Jerusalem, and they stopped in many Samaritan villages along the way to preach the good news. And so the story goes on to talk about Philip, which is, will be the conclusion of our series next week, but we don't really know Simon's ultimate turn of heart. 
did he choose to not want to buy the Holy Spirit and chose to deal with the things in his heart? Or did he choose to go down that path and just continue to deceive people with his magic and with his uh, amazing things that people were amazed by? And so I say all this because this might seem different or weird because it's like doesn't really fit in with what we've been talking about. But it's important to just go through scripture sometimes and read the warnings that are there, to read the stories that are there and just let God speak to us. And so thought three today is that no one can buy the good news or the power of the spirit. And so to further this point a little bit, I just want to say clearly that there's nothing that you can do to earn any of this. Any of this salvation stuff or this Holy Spirit stuff, there's nothing that you're going to do to earn it. All we can do is willingly receive salvation from Jesus by simply saying with our heart and with our life, yes to the good news of Jesus. Yes to letting the Holy Spirit come and work in our hearts. Yes to putting Jesus at the center of our lives and choosing to live differently. But that's a free gift that God has bestowed upon us and given to us through his son, Jesus. You can't buy. There's no amount of money. There's no amount of good works. There's nothing that I can do that's going to make me right with God. God already did the work. 1 Corinthians 1.18, and I think this kind of encapsulates Simon's mentality, says this, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And so I think that kind of explains it and sums it up really well. Is that to some people, the message of the cross seems like something they can, that can be bought or can be used to further their own agenda or their own whatever that might be. But the, the message of the cross is foolishness to people that are perishing. But to those who are saved, it is the power of God. We put our hope and trust in Jesus because he did all the works. The good news of Jesus can't be co-opted. It can't be used and taken to mean something else. There's no quid pro quo with Jesus. It's only Jesus doing something for us and us choosing to receive it. Romans 6.23 says this. It says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. It's a free gift from God. And in this story, Peter knew it, and that's, I think, why you get this harsh language from him, to basically show the gravity and the seriousness of the situation to Simon. In no uncertain terms, he's explaining that Simon's heart was not right, that he had something going on that was deep darkness, and he was not understanding the true sense of the gospel, the true sense of the good news, the true sense of what the Holy Spirit is and what his purpose is. And so it's important for us to understand this as well, that we need to walk cautiously whenever we hear someone say something to the nature of, do this, buy this, donate this much, do all these things, and then God's going to be happy with you. Then you'll be in right relationship with God. The gift of God is a free gift. The gift of Jesus is a free gift from God. And so, in all things, we, we need to begin to put Jesus at the center of our lives. That's the correct response to the gospel. 
It's not that we try and do a bunch of things so that God is happy with us, but that we begin out of what God has done for us, we begin to put Jesus at the center of everything that we're doing, everything that we're, the way that we're living. And so, yes, there are ramifications that happen when we do this. We begin to look at our relationships differently. We begin to look at the way we use our money differently. We begin to use the whole, think about the whole arc of our lives differently because of the moment that we choose to follow Jesus. And so this might sound different compared to what we've been talking about, but it all comes back to what are we proclaiming and what is the message that we're pointing to in whatever moment or situation we find ourselves in today. It's just that God has put you, you know, you read in, uh, I think it's Esther, for such a time as this, that, that God used her in that moment. But for all of us, Every morning that you wake up, every time you sit on the sounder train and uh, you're in an uncomfortable position, how does God want to use you to point others to Jesus? In your workplaces, in your families. This is why re-engage is so important when we talk about it all the time and we're promoting it and why we think if you're married you should be a part of it because it truly brings oneness between your spouse, your husband, or your wife and between you two and with God is that your marriage is different because of your relationship with God. And so the questions that we should think about in response to this specific uh, passage about Simon and just this rebuke from Peter is just, I have wrote down three questions that I hope we can process internally. It says, are we focused more on the power? And so think of miracles, signs, gifts, wonders. Are we more focused on the power than we are with the one who gives us the power through the Holy Spirit? Am I only following Jesus because I want to see a miracle? Am I only pursuing after God because I want to see something just crazy happen and I'm only pursuing after that? The second question is, are we trying to earn our salvation or even the power of the Holy Spirit by any means other than putting Jesus at the center of our lives? Are there things that you're doing, maybe even out of habit or out of just this like feel of a need that I'm supposed to or I need to do this so that God is pleased with me? Is there anything in your life that would say, I think my faith is built on all these things I've done and not the ultimate thing that God has done by sending Jesus to live a perfect life, to die a death on a cross and be raised again so we may have a true life through him. And so finally, the third thing, and this is important for our time going forward, is have we considered honestly what it means to live our lives in the power of the Holy Spirit. Because it's easy to read these stories and think, well, that power was for a time back then, and it was, a, it was for the time of the apostles, and it's no longer existent today. And Open Life is not a church that believes that. We believe the gifts of the Spirit are for today, and that we need to live them out as much as God wants to empower us to use them. But it's not so that we can feel good about ourselves or that we can feel powerful or that we feel just this closeness. It's actually so that others can find closeness. That we are empowered with the Holy Spirit so that we can be witnesses that point other people to who Jesus is on a continual basis. 
And so today our action point is just very simple. You could probably guess it, but it's to point people to Jesus. And so how are you going to do it? That's the question I want to ask you today. And I, I just have one thought for you to kind of take and hold on to this. Is Jesus said the best way that you can show people that you're a disciple of his, that you're a follower of Jesus, is if you choose to love people. That, like, the fruits of the Spirit, the main one is love. The main thing that we can do if we're just confused about how we can point others to Jesus is to love people no matter what. You know, we like to be a church that resources opportunities for you to love our community. We do the school supply give, or we do the community big give, or we do the tins so that you can bake cookies for teachers at the beginning of the school year. And there's all these things that we can do, but if we're not careful, we can just say like, you should do this because it's a great opportunity. But if you don't miss, if you don't grab onto the purpose of what we're doing, then you miss kind of the end result. That we do things out of love so that people can be ultimately pointed to Jesus. And so we don't do the big give in the fall and just say, you have to accept Jesus if you want this bag of turkey and Thanksgiving food. That would be weird. But ultimately, that's why we're here as a church. That's why we do the things we do to love our community is because we want to point people to Jesus. And so my question for you is, are you dependent on a church to do that for you? Are you taking personal investment into it to love the people around you so that you can personally point others to Jesus? It's a poor scattering of seed if God just planted it in this room and this is the only time we choose to grow out and proclaim who Jesus is. But it's a much better use of God's seed to go out from here and love other people in every relationship that we have, whether it's our families, our coworkers, our neighbors, anyone we come in contact with. And so this is intimidating and scary sometimes, but this is what the Holy Spirit has empowered us to do, is live lives with Jesus at the center so we can love others no matter what. And so as we pray today, I just want you to think of a couple things. If you haven't chosen to follow Jesus, I think I made it pretty clear that you can't pay for it. And so if you're interested in that, we're going to pray. And you should just say this simple prayer of God, I choose to follow you and put you at the center of my life. And out of the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to live differently. That's what you do. That's all it takes. And then you can, you can check. I choose to follow on the, the connection card. We'll follow up you and celebrate with you and then ultimately point you to baptism. Because that's the next step that you would proclaim to this church and to anyone else that you wanna invite that you have chosen to follow Jesus and that your life is gonna be different. But for all of us here who may already be followers of Jesus, the next thing we wanna do while, while we're praying is just say, God, how am I going to point other to people? How am I gonna point other people to Jesus this week? What's my message that I am known for? And God, does that need to change? God, I want to live my life in power. And so I want you to begin showing me what that looks like. That I would begin to pray for people and that they would be healed. 
that I would begin to see miraculous things happen in my family, in our community, and in this church. Those are the things we have the opportunity to pray for. So as the worship team comes, I'm just gonna ask you to stand right now and then we're just gonna pray together and just simply ask for God to move in our hearts, for us to know how we're pointing to Jesus and how the spirit is working within us. So God, right now, I just pray first, if there's anyone here who hasn't chosen to follow you and they want this to be the day, God, I just pray they just pray the simple prayer of God, I choose to follow you today. And I choose to let your spirit empower me to live a life with you as the center and as the example for living. God, I pray for everyone else here who might be already followers of you. And I just pray, God, that your spirit would just begin to awaken people's hearts, that they would begin to see those relationships, those things, those opportunities where you are want to use them to point other people to Jesus. God, I especially pray for people that are in a hardship right now who might be going through sickness themselves, God, that might be hurting and struggling through a relationship loss or something that is just overbearing and weighting them down, God. And I pray, Lord, that your spirit would empower them to press on and push through. God, bring encouragement. God, help them to know and understand the power of your spirit and even Give them hints of how through this circumstance they can still point to you as a good and gracious God, as keeper of the good news, the ultimate good news of salvation and life in the spirit. So as we pray, God, move as you wanna move through the hearts and lives of the people in this place, God. So as we worship, we just choose to put our focus and our ultimate trust in you today. We ask this in your name.